ESPN LA 710. Welcome to the experience. I'm Laferne Cusack. For more information, please log on to ESPNLA.com and download podcasts or shoot me an email or check me out on Twitter at Laferne Cusack. Today we're exploring an alternate alternative way to heal your body. We always talk about athletes are using their physical body to, you know, get ahead. Well, what do you do when your mind, body, and spirit is not connected? With us today, I'm so excited, Jill (laughs) Willard. She's an author of Intuitive Being and also wife to our friend Mark Willard, who used to work with me. And it's an honor to have you on the show, Jill. Oh, thank you. It's quite a pleasure. You wrote this book, Intuitive Being, and Mm. when did you learn that you were gifted? You were so sweet. Well, I did, as an athlete, very young, understand how to read a field or what a player was going to do next, and even how to be in tune with my body when I was, you know, four or five years old. So I knew there was something to that, but I thought it was just luck. And then a year or two later, seven or eight, I realized there was something added going on with me. I really think it's just being in the zone for all you athletes, as you know, but I knew early on to answer your question. (laughs) Yes. And were, were your parents, were they supportive of that or did they? Well, I, I wouldn't say so. I mean, God bless my parents. They didn't know. What do you do with a very intuitive kid? You know, I know, I think they, they were very conventional, you know, and I think they thought I was being dishonest when I would know things or they thought I was being challenging if I just knew something for sure that would come to be. Um, but this is in my heredity and I, I, I don't think it's something my mom and dad tapped into as much. So um, they're, more, they're very supportive now, you know, it's taken them a lot of years, but back then, no, I kind of had to hide a little bit and, and uh, kind of use it internally or just use it with friends. So. So you talk about uh, knowing the feeling of, you know, the gut feeling, um, what we intuitively have with us at the, such an early age and growing up with parents that those are the first things that you know of, you know, that, that's telling you what's right and what's wrong and you mm-hmm. believe them. How do you think that you learned at such an early age to go with your gut because it was a loud voice to me and I felt it was I felt it was God I really did we lived in Europe for a couple years when I was small and it got supported it got supported over there randomly by different people at times even people who couldn't really speak English so I knew it was something real and it was a voice within and then just letting it grow you know, was, I knew it was right. And it was like a best friend. And then the other side is, you know, we were trained and most of us are trained that parents are right. Elders are right. And elders are so wise, but I think our culture is so patriarchal and we're more about the fire and the physical and the mental that we weren't really including the true spiritual and emotional, or I think intuition is. And anyone who knows the zone well knows you need to be in such a calm, peaceful state within to execute something. So that's how I knew to get to my peaceful state was to listen within versus listening so much without or on the outside. So how did you use this? uh, Well, for example, uh, I had on um, um, Benny the Jet, your Mm. and he's like, you know, MMA fighter, one of the top fighters in the world. And he said that he used his intuitiveness to know what the energy uh, is or was of his opponent in the ring and how to 
um, take that energy and, you know, I don't want to say make it his, but when through that, how did you take the energy as being an athlete athlete and move forward? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So I really think that being intuitive means you can read energy. So, you know, it's part of the brain. So, you know what your opponent's going to do next and then how to assimilate that. It's just information, but it's great gold information, right? Because once you know that, you have that edge. How I used it, which you can probably tell by my voice, is I actually did not love being a competitor. I'm super feminine, so I actually excelled really well at sports, but I didn't use it as, a, as, as fire the way that this great competitor did. I actually used it more on how to understand people and how to connect with people. Kind of, I kind of used it the compassion route. So even with like teammates and the other team, I'd know who to give a hug, who to put a bow in their hair, who to like Mm -hmm. pat them on the back and know what to say. I used it really to connect with humans. So that's just the route I took and it it really warmed my heart. And that's what I chose early, which I know is odd. I think I upset a few coaches and even my dad and whatnot because (laughs) I was a natural athlete and I didn't want to compete. I just didn't mm-hmm. get it. I just was way too much on the other side. But you can use that, especially now in 2017, we're finding we need that. So when you're competing or just in your everyday life, how to connect a little more, even if you're going to beat them on the tennis court or on any court, still how to have that kind of heart-centered presence there. That's what I mm-hmm. really believe it as, yeah. So, Jill, what type of training did you go through to develop your talents and then go into, you know, writing the intuitive being? Oh, you're so wise. Just so sweet. I went through the talents of hard knocks because I (laughs) died away. (laughs) I've never had a true teacher. I mean, have great mentors and healers now that are, you know, taught me so much. But back in the day, I think I looked a little more like I was resisting something or I was shying back from, you know, being a strong competitor, which I really wasn't Mm -hmm. at all. So I found that fun really, if I was having fun, which I know they're proving now for kids too, if I was having fun, I would be a great athlete. So if it was a summer camp or even if it was, you know, an all-star or a BCI or whatever camp or, or team, if I was having a good time and believed in the coach, I would excel and soar. So I started to mm-hmm. really understand, right, that's how it tapped in for me. And then I started hearing it. It's like a muscle. So I started trusting it. So I really kind of had that teacher within that I really think is God. I don't think it's me. I think it's zero me. I had that voice and I knew to start working with it. Like that was my coach or my leader or my God. And that's what helped me. I say hard knocks because I learned lessons the hard way a lot because that voice would say, don't go do that. And I'd be like, oh, it's fine. You know, and then I'd be like, ooh. (laughs) But I remember the voice saying, don't do that. Right. Yeah. Yes. And that went through, you know, yeah, all my life. I mean, it really didn't well into my teens and 20s. So people thought it was gutsy because I do like some, you know, more gutsy things. And I'm like, no, because I knew I'd be fine. I could hear the voice saying, it's fine, you know, mm-hmm. lean this way, dive over there, you know. So that's how I used it. And then I think you might know this, but I really believe that it really is 10,000 hours of practice to, to master anything. And even when you master it, you're still always a student. So I just practice. And for me, practice is being quiet, like swimming for hours or going on a long walk or I found yoga, you know, which and that kind of really was my mental practice to get really, really still, which anyone who knows, especially athletes, not easy, especially in our conventional world to get still and still that brain. As soon as you still it, that's when you're in the zone. So that was my training. 
but no real, no real courses. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, but it, it really does connect to, you, you know, I, mm-hmm. I said it like mind, body, mind, spirit, you know, it's, it's you as the whole being, as the whole athlete, as the whole mom, dad, whatever is, you know, going forward, you are there as one. How, how did you work to calm the, um, uh, what, what is it called? The, the, the left brain, the amygdala? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the fight or flight, the competitor, by the yeah. way, it's where all that is. Yeah. But, well, I have to commend you because we joke truly what the book could be called instead of intuitive being as human being or whole being. That's really what it is. It's about being whole. And I break it down sometimes really easily in the left and right side of the brain. So people know, like when we say we're using the brain or we're competing, we're really using a side. Most of us are using the fight or flight or the competitor warrior side. And that's not where intuition is or that like heart-centered compassion, you get over on the right side where you're connected. And that's what I call the zone, using both sides at the same time. We're using mental, physical, and then you're using spiritual and emotional. So that's that part. And then what was your other question? (laughs) Because I had to answer that. That was so brilliant that you were pulling out whole. (laughs) Well, um, for uh, intuitive being, um, you know what? I don't remember what my other question was, but I'm going on to, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's blowing my mind. What? Yeah. No, no, you are. Um, so, so to be calm and quiet and to take mm-hmm. out that negative part of your. Yes. Okay. That's what, what you're asking. You yeah. How to use mm-hmm. that. So this is what I say. So people try to push what they call the negative away. And I say, you got to bring it in. You got to just up the right side of your mind which hasn't been used in generations, really. I mean, when we talk about competitors and athletes, we've been over, it's not a sport anymore. It's not a game. It's so much more now. It's, I think it's way too intense, to be frank. And I work with so many pro athletes, and yeah, they're good on the court, and they're awful in their personal relationships, or they're so hard on their body, and their body's breaking down. They're not even 30, right? So I think if you up right. the right side of the brain, that's also where your lubrication is and a lot of stuff. So that's the plight of like kind of upping the right side and growing that muscle. Look at it as a muscle. That's your spiritual muscle. And to answer your question, I think I remember it now. It's what do you, how do you get to grow that muscle? What do you do? And it really is about the pausing, the stillness. For some of us, we have to go back and kind of clear out why we have our fire, our competitive fire. So was a parent hard on you? Was a community? Did you get beat up? Did you see some death? You know, what is underneath your drive to compete, that's a very important part because that's called intent or intention. You got to clear that part B or for some people part A, you got to clear that fire because now you're a great athlete. You don't need that kind of fire anymore. That will burn you up. You know, you need to have a little more heart or a little more of what's called second energy center where you're more relational. You have a more balanced relationship to yourself and others. You don't get so aggressive or you don't get depressed or you don't kill your body. Um, so mm-hmm. for me, it was pause. I learned yoga uh, in college. That helped me a lot. Great counsel, which I know a lot of people don't want it. I'm not saying talk therapy, so to speak, is all of it. But when you pull things up, you've got to have a, not just friends and yes people and family around you. You know, you need someone who will objectively help you through your unbearing, an old treasure or an old yuck, you know, an old pain. Mm-hmm. And then once you do kind of clear off some of your layers, which by the way, really, you lose weight that way, your head gets clear, you become a great athlete again, even if you've been away from the sport a little bit, 
because you're just more in your kind of your zone, but you're kind of in your gel and you're thriving. And there's none of that negative space like you talked about just a couple minutes ago or kind of that negative. You've kind of alchemized it or you've let it go. And that's what I try to teach people. You got to let it go. You got to hand it back over to the sky or God or the ocean or the sun. You got to get it off your body and out of your psyche. It being whatever's dark looming in there that, you know, helps you drive. I mean, we now see a lot of great athletes who have intense parents. Yeah, they became Tiger Woods or some other current athletes right now, but their parents were not nurturing parents and it did a number on them. And I know some people don't care. They go, well, that's the cost of it, but it doesn't have to be. You can be a great athlete and let go of your past. And that's how you become more intuitive because intuition's only in the now. So I had to learn that pause, quiet, you can create. I learned really early in my life to go in my room and just create to kind of bounce energy out, you know, to not go crazy, especially being intuitive, but also not wanting to compete at such a masculine level. So it's kind of getting to know your feminine side for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, but balancing of your feminine and your male side, right? So well said, because I went to, yeah, and I went to feminine and then I was out, you know, I was supposed mm-hmm. to go to a great, you know, Ivy League school. I could have been a phenomenal athlete and I was out by each nine. I'm like, oh, nope, I'm not doing it. So mm-hmm. I went to the other way, which is, is fine now. I've forgiven myself <laughs> and others. For that, uh, but I, I was yeah. almost making a stand for that side. So I hear you. So all of your great athletes, kudos for the work and the effort you've learn so much discipline so now discipline Mm -hmm. the same way into calm you've already got that muscle just kind of transfer it into quiet and most athletes can't get quiet for very long they start bouncing they need headsets you know they because they're running Mm -hmm. too much on their kind of left brain side yeah but jill isn't it like the for for me what i believe there are like two kinds of people there are people that are um that have that have to set a goal, follow step one, two, three, four, and five to obtain that goal. And I think athletes fit into that mold of step one, two, three, and four. But for like me, I know that I have to um, get my, I guess, um, reality from here and now and follow my blueprint or else I'm going to be in pain, be in so much pain because I can't accomplish the one, two, three, four, get that goal. Yeah. You understand? I hear you. Yeah. And I will. So I had to go more one, two, three, four again. And I think both athletes have to come out of the numbers and go more circular or more Zen or whatever you want to call it more. I call it infinite. Be like the sky, not just the having one point, you know, you got to be round, you got to let, and most won't let that happen. Um, I hear you, but I really want to remind you that usually a child or a young adult or an athlete learned the one, two, three, four, five, six to control themselves, usually control their emotion, control their environment, get out of their environment. A lot of times, I mean, I'm, I'm sending so much love and just unbelievable awe for so many athletes who alchemize their life and made something beautiful other life in the mm-hmm. sense that they can provide for themselves and their family and maybe they, they couldn't or their parents couldn't. That's phenomenal. But we're now in a time where we know, okay, now you can let down what was the pain behind that or the energy behind that. And that's control. And that's the number thing for a lot. I mean, it's just a little too much in the left brain of the ladder and the discipline and all that. And the it, human, we're human, we're organisms. We don't go by numbers. Nature does not go by numbers. So mm-hmm. once you get too controlled in your brain, you've cut off all the good juices truly, and that will catch up with you. 
So yeah. I hear you, but I don't think it's two types of people. I hear you. I think we gravitate to how we learn is different, but I also think we've learned or associate athletes have mastered that patriarch system of going after it to such a high cost by having this discipline. And then they're not home with their families enough or they're not nurturing and just laying in bed or, you know, some of these aspects where they can rebalance a little. I mean, you know, you've crossed the finish line for a lot of them, but it's, there's never, there's always so many more finish lines and that's where you guys got to let the body calm a little bit. If that makes yeah. sense. So it, yeah, it does. Agree, but it's usually trained. Yeah. Yeah. And also, like athletes that um, a a lot of Olympic athletes that make it to the Olympics, a lot of them come back and then they get depressed because they've trained for four years to reach this goal. And now what? But then a lot of college athletes that are leaving, going out into the quote unquote real world, it's like, okay, this is a new whole new world for me. How, oh, I hear how, yeah. how do you approach that, Jill? How do you, so this is once again, why you need the book intuitive being go back to your nature and your core and what new can you do with all you've learned? I mean, I think a lot of it is they're addicted to the accolade or to the attention. And I have a lot of, we know a lot of people who a few can say, I did it. That was my goal and I'm done. But most can't, they're so obsessed with getting back into the limelight or the attention. That's usually a break when they were little, they didn't feel seen and heard. And I know people get mad at me at first. I've done this for so long, like Jill's crazy. But when you break it down, it's true. I mean, they get the Olympic gold. They get what they get. They win a race, but they they can't get off the horse. And that's all left brain. That's the adrenaline and the attention. And it's almost an addiction. And it's just understanding only you can make the choice with yourself. So sometimes I say, especially to athletes and execs and if you can be your wiser self with your younger self and kind of say to your younger self, when is enough enough? And what can I do? Like you're asking, what can I do with all these traits I've learned? Where do I want to take this? And why am I so wanting to keep winning? I mean, what is that? Mm-hmm. There comes a point where enough is enough and body's breaking down and everyone has their different tipping point, but we're still so in the race and the dog eat dog. So if someone gets out of the race, they get teased. I mean, you know, I've been around a lot of great athletes. I've dated great athletes. I know what it's like inside of that club. And it's, it's young. And once you're out, it feels different. And how, so I'm hoping everyone can mature together in friendship and in camaraderie and then really know when enough is enough. And that's a big one. I do this. I did a great talk with Red Bull years ago at the Eve event because they knew they're like, our athletes are 30 and four years old and they think their life is over. You know, what can we do to keep them going? And that's where you got to get in. Maybe even take a month off, a year off and meditate and walk and get mad at yourself because you've probably been training since you were young and you don't know Mm -hmm. what to do with your day. And yeah, give yourself an hour or two to work out. I'm not saying let yourself become a slob, but that obsessive mentality is very much in the ego. And once we hit, you know, a good 20, 30, especially by age 40, 42, we shouldn't be in our own life and ego so much anymore. We usually have children. We have, you know, parents, siblings, friends. Can we open up a little more into our neighbors? Can we get to know our neighbors? You know, it's a high cost to be an athlete. It's a very lonely one, but many yes. want that light on them still. And that's right. it's hard. I get it when the light's on and the light's off, but that's something to reconcile. Why do we need exterior validation go internal and get your own internal validation going but then there's also the the being the being the male factor and being in our society and men don't cry men don't feel and you have to have money to get a woman and a car and this and that and so it, it it's 
But I, I, I think I yeah, but I think that that gig is up. I really do. If you look around, like who's winning the voice? Who won? You know, we've watched a couple great athletes, basketball players cry and say they did this for their mother. You know, it, we're done. We are in a new age around 2012 where it's really not about the car anymore or crying. You know, healing. It's so wild. The other day, someone said, you know. Um, I think it's Chinese proverb, I could get it wrong, but they call uh, tears, you know, healing water. And we need mm-hmm. to cry and we need our tears here and there. And I hear you because that's athletes, most of women and men trained all that energy and emotion went pure left brain, like we said, into physical, mental feet. But you got to lay it down at some point and say, I can cry. That's all my gel. That's why I need to forgive and move forward. That's the fountain of youth as well. That'll make me a better athlete. So how to find out how to balance um, is very important. If does that make sense there? You know, like get yeah. into the feminine side that we're now in. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of women out there that won't cry either. And it's like, get in there. See what's yes. in there. You're going to see something buried. Yeah, yeah. So, but and you will still get your good car. That's the thing. You'll, you'll still <laughs> make more money and get your car you want. So this isn't about giving up a nice car. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's yeah. fine. It's, it's like, okay, okay, you have the materialistic side, which, you know, is fine to have. But it, then again, you bring in, you know, religion. And religion is like, okay, well, you know, you're not supposed to do this. It's supposed to do that. Uh, yeah. You're supposed to feel this way. So I uh, a lot of people are conflicted with, okay, how, how can I still have that and, and, or not that and be happy? Exactly. You know? So I, I think it's, exactly. it, it's the willingness to know that, yeah, I have a lot of growth that I need to do, but if you don't know that you have to grow, how do exactly. you, Jill, how, how do you help people get through that or, or to that point to grow. Well, it's such a good, okay. So I love this. So the wall is so big around people right now. And that really hits your nervous system. It hits your, your way that you could be intimate with others is a a key way to see how's your life really going. Um, How's your body feeling? How are the juices in your body? How's your blood pressure? How's your yeast? How's your whatever, like just those internal signs of how we're really doing is key. People go to the doctor and see that. That's one thing to start. But also, you know, you mentioned religion and a lot of these structures we've been in are patriarchs. So they're, they're black, white, yes, no, bad, good. And that's all left brain. So I won't get into that. That's a whole other conversation. But I, you know, I will say Jesus has come in a lot. People know this as a brother, not a savior. And I know people are going to probably scream, but this might be good for your podcast. But it's more <laughs> about how finding out how we're equal and we can start connecting. I mean, Jesus comes in all the time. It shocked me showing he comes in as a support, not a savior, not a, something on a cross we need to be scared of. He came in as a support. If you really read any of those teachings, that's what he's saying. So it's more about how do you drop the gamut? How do you be real? And that's going to be hard. There's going to be big walls, ego going on. I get it because of the strength that many athletes in the walls, athletes had to put up. Um, they might use that energy to their favor. Um, but we're just, I would just read the signs around you. You know, do you have a good interpersonal relationship? Do you have a love man or woman that you care about? Can you be monogamous for longer than a week? You know, those type of things you're going to start to see, wait a second, really not my humanness and it's not a judgment. It's really not, not anything's for everyone, but you'll really know, you know, how am I getting along 
with my loved ones? How am I going with my children? Do I see my children? You know, they need me. They're living organisms too. They need me more than they need iPad or new shoes. They need me in the eyes. Do you look a person in the eye? Do you ask others how they are? Because a lot of athletes think about them. They don't even ask people how they're doing. They think everyone should be asking them. So you can, you know, people can start to kind of look at your own life like you're kind of witnessing yourself a little bit. With love, don't break down. I mean, you break down to break through. But, I mean, this is not to shame anyone at all. We're all human. It's just kind of like how can you look at where you are and go, huh, maybe there is something to this. Then read Intuitive Being, then get on the spiritual podcast, you know, anyone yes. that you can and open up, open up the heart, open up the ego. There's going to be a lot of defense at first because of all the walls and um, move on from there. And, and I'm telling you, the faith, God, energy, synchronicity, juju, whatever you want to call it, comes in and supports you. As soon as you start to make the shift, you'll have all, my, all these fools rushing in, all these people coming in to support you, <laughs> right? And don't say no. Yes. Why? Yes. Say thank you. You're going to have friends yes. and family might be like, who are you? You've gotten soft. <laughs> say, yeah, soft is good. We're human. We're soft. <laughs> don't let your body get hard. I mean, you know, yes. in the wrong places. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right? No, but it's true. Yeah. You start to notice, you know, your body breaks down when it's stiff or hard. So let the love flow or energy or whatever you want to call it. And um, you'll notice a lot, a lot will come in and help. Yeah. And, and also with that is like, uh, uh, I had an athlete on who was saying when, when he tensed up, he would lose the race. Exactly. So it, it, it is about, they, cramp, you know, they all re- do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Relaxing, letting go, you know, yeah. be, being aware of what was going on. Being with aware, being in the flow. Yeah, and the way yeah. you have to do that, I'm telling you, is to get into that sweet spot in the center of your brain. A lot of athletes know this. It's why they meditate. It's why they go to psychologists and therapists and, you know, all this energy to get in that sweet spot right in front of the, I mean, something it's a penal gland, something it's where I just call it the center space of your mind and then in front, some people call it that the third eye. But there's that sweet spot where your left and right are in harmony and that's where you're a great athlete or a great lover or a great friend or a great parent. So find that space where there's nothing. It's nothingness. It's technically in front of the limbic system in the brain. And just be in that. And that is bliss. So when you start to learn, you cannot control that space. You can't. There's no more knowledge or others that no one else can touch it. You have to go in and kind of earn it, if you will. And it's when the left brain calms. You brought up your right side of your brain. And then you get into that space. That's why you can see silence for all you great athletes and shoot a free throw with 100,000 people watching or a million people watching on TV. It's that same silence that you want it all day, every day, or as much as you can, not just when you're on the court and then you get off the court and it all falls apart. Yes, absolutely. This is ESPN LA 710. I'm speaking with author and intuitive of intuitive being, Miss Jill Willard. We're going to take a break and we'll come right back after this. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. 
ESPN LA 710. And welcome back to ESPN LA 710. I'm Laferne Cusack, and I'm speaking with Jill Willard, author of Intuitive Being. We're showing you how you can get the eye of the tiger back into your life. Welcome back to the show, Jill. Thank you. <laughs> so we're a lot about how, you know, athletes go out and they try so hard to accomplish a goal. And then you come back and it's like, okay, what's next? I'm done playing basketball or I'm done running track. What's next in my life? Um, Can you talk about the, the thought process of what we create in our body in regards to illness Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So remember, just like what you mentioned, it was always what's next and we're going after it. We're going after a goal. We're getting our adrenaline up, our adrenals, our cortisol. We're tearing our muscles a little bit, which I know can be a good thing for rebuild, but we really put ourselves through the ring, our mind, body. And I think what's important to move from the next part of the process is then what, how to get to know ourselves, which is important, and kind of how to slow down. And then, see, once again, I'm wanting to go into another direction. So it was a question. <laughs> 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 it wants to go so high. I'm like, I think this is going to be too much. <laughs> but, but let's please, because there are two different parts in a way to that. Go ahead. <laughs> you want to take it from the top? <laughs> oh, yeah, no. It, uh, that's awesome. Um, so, so let let me give you an example. Yes, please. A, fr- a friend of mine whom I love very much, he um he was always talking about, oh, this person did this to me. Oh, I can't find oh, a yeah. girlfriend. I can't do this and um like the words that he said were all coming from victimhood and then yeah. he just found out that he had cancer and you know I'm just like oh my gosh but I was telling him for over a year to (laughs) please go to the doctor you know please you know you're not feeling to go to the doctor I was like I like don't want what victims don't want to be cured remember yeah I'm not going to the doctor (laughs) yeah Um, and a lot of people say well you know, whatever happens with one's body, it also is connected with one's mind. Oh, yeah, it all starts there, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, like well, when, remember, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. So when, when I stress out, my back goes out. And then exactly. when I stop stressing, my my back doesn't hurt. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, and a lot, I mean, I, as you and I were talking earlier, you know, I don't want to be so short. I want this to be practical. Mm-hmm. But I think for a second, we have to connect to what's really going on. And if we talk surface or practicality, we'll just like pop, you know. And this isn't the cream, you know. This is just like skimming the top, which doesn't really work. you got to go in a little deeper. So remember that as an athlete, for most of you all, you've been in your fight or flight constantly you look at the other person as an enemy you have to in a sense it can be unconscious but just you you want to beat them or you want to beat your time or you want to beat yourself right to get your personal Mm -hmm. best and that's even a part of the brain that's a very high low very fight or flight and it's a very warrior like do or die because you you know it's just 
to, to be an elite athlete, you know, the other people want it just bad, if not more, and they're thinking the same thing to psych themselves out. And it's kind of like being in a war. And so I know sport is fun, but I just know what your butt will go, your body goes through, mm-hmm. right? And then that really, then we get taught that thing, it's us versus other. And then that's when the victimhood happens, or it's always the other person's fault is how some people take it, or some people think it's always their fault. And there's so many athletes that are really insecure inside. They actually blame themselves for everything if you go underneath the surface. Because at a young age or whenever it was, right, they couldn't control something like their dad left or their mom, you know, was on drugs or whatever it was, or they couldn't be, they weren't seen and heard. It doesn't have to be that direct. It can be that they couldn't cry or, you know, they were considered weak for being emotional or whatever it was. So it accumulated somehow really early and then that stuck. So then when they're adults, that's what ends up happening. People are either, they're going to leave people before people leave them. They're not going to be intimate or it's always someone else's fault or it's their body's fault. And then they just sink fast, you know, after, you know, from that high of winning. So that's kind of what we're talking about, which kind of goes down all to the same, you know, boils down to the same point of can you, when do you stop and ask yourself what's going on? Mm-hmm. Where's a bit of this coming from? And I, a lot of people aren't going to want to stop, but I'm telling you, if you do, your life becomes so much yummier. Everything becomes better. <laughs> you actually end up usually becoming richer, yes. right? It's just, yeah. so it, it's just that gift, but you have to get behind yourself a little bit. So I work with a lot of people about getting back into their core truly or their gut or getting back to the center of their mind. So then they can see like, I see you wrestling. You're about to go off with that inner child. I see you inner child. You're tantruming right now, which I'm telling you, I'd ask for these tantrums, (laughs) you know, or a lot of them hold it in and then want to explode. And not the special ones that have a strong faith or strong family or whatnot. It's for the majority. The transition for athlete is very psychological, but it doesn't have to be such grueling work. You just got to dig into your own being a little bit. Right. Like all the answers there. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's, there's a thing of, there's a, a the competitive edge you have, whether, you know, you are an athlete or in business or whatever, and people think, okay, well, the competitive edge, I'm supposed to do this and say this, this particular way so I can get ahead in my career or my life or whatever. And then it ends up, I think degrading your soul. Exactly. And it doesn't work anymore. That's so well said. It really does. It doesn't work in the end. It's a shortcut. And there is no such thing as a shortcut in our life. So yeah, if you do something to step ahead, you'll pay the price that everyone knows. Your body will break down, your psyche, there'll be a breakup, your body might break, whatever it is. And we're in these new times, you guys, you really are somewhere around two thousand twelve, where it's known as the power of she, the feminine, the Aquarian age, the time of truth, whatever you want to call it. And that doesn't mean she is in women. It means she is in that feminine side of us all. It's connective. You can still excel. Some of the greatest athletes on the earth right now are doing what we're saying. You know, we're big Steph Curry fans in our house. There's a lot of great athletes that do this. What we're talking about where they believe in hard work, but they believe in their family. They're still going to go out and compete, but they do believe in intimacy. They believe in showing up their children and their wives or husbands or parents, you know, and, and I know that someone like Steph Curry has been bred that way. He's got two great parents, but anyone can go out and find those mentors, you know, some of you might even know the Currys and go to them or find others in the community. It doesn't have to be so linear as your mom and dad are nothing or your grandparents are nothing. This is all this tunnel vision we've had that's very left brain. 
And once again, that's just not how it is anymore. We're in a whole new evolved state. Our brains are evolving. Our medicine's evolving. Everything's evolving, and we're behind it. We're kind of stuck in the 40s and 50s still in this old way of do or die, boss or white. You know, let me cut off the corner. Let me beat out my boss, and it doesn't work. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's just, you know, let it be a win-win for your life. Get better at it being athlete, but don't have such a high cost of cutting out everything else to get there. So Jill, being the author of Intuitive Being, and um, mm-hmm. we can get it, get it everywhere. It's on Amazon, it's Barnes & Noble, everywhere you can get it. Uh, what are some of the things that you do to guide people into a meditative state that uh, is beneficial for their growth? You're so sweet. So I just use the form, you know, energy centers or lips chocolates, because I think that People, if they start to understand energy flowing through our body, they can kind of work with it a little more. It doesn't become personal. And then you can grow it. You can grow a different color. It's actually a lot easier than we think. So that's what I do. And we guide in the book. It actually breaks it down really simply. We go into what's called the four bodies or aspects of beings to make sure you're covering your physical part, your emotional part, your mental part, and your spiritual part. And then we just go up the energy centers and make sure all four are kind of jiving. And it's seven main energy centers for those that don't know what that is, which I definitely understand because I didn't know what they were. And they started coming in readings. So please, you know, don't be shy and intimidated. There's a great chart early in the book that gets you just, I mean, even if you just read one or two chapters, you'll get a lot out of this book. And, um, but it's more fun to get toward the end because then we start really talking about the upper energy centers connect us to all. And that's where all the great synchronicity and luck and, you know, matrixy matrixy stuff starts happening but you got to kind of clear out your closet a little like we were talking about mm-hmm. you know i think all fair you know got to put things around you bring your joy simplify a little and then it, it really just all opens up and jill with the current political status <laughs> the political mm-hmm. state that's happening now yeah you go to facebook you go to your social feeds and you see a lot of angry yes. people and a lot of people yes. you know putting out all this uh this just mm-hmm. gonk <laughs> gonk is well said <laughs> yeah what how do you handle that and how should we as individuals um i guess i don't want well yeah get yeah i don't want to say get through it but manage what's happening yeah, around us yeah yeah so okay perfect so two quick points one exactly what we were saying earlier when you see the rants on Facebook or on television, even in sports sometimes, that's someone in their left brain, fight or fight going after it. And then you put that out in the world. That's not fun. So I teach people how to center, as we were talking about earlier, get in that sweet spot. So then you catch yourself like, you know what? I'm not going to go on that rant. Or we kind of say you're in your wiser self to your younger self. You're kind of like, come on. Somebody say, Jilly, you're not going to do that. You know, even though you want to, you know, you're not going to do that. So you kind of catch when you're about to trigger it. And that's the space that we teach in meditation. Just that, you know, pause. And then you catch yourself kind of like your soul things to yourself. Let's not do this or partnership within, right? Saying like, come on, we're not going to go there. But how I get through this, and I think it's really important. Is, you know, we're in these times that are kind of extreme. I think they're about to break open beautifully. I think we're, because we're just so overextended and kind of in our mill. And if we can just kind of simplify the best we can and breathe deeper, I think that'll really help us kind of align again and, and not go there. You know, we're, I, I think we're in a powerful time of um, seeing the ridiculousness of this all, the silliness and uh, moving forward from there. 
that's that part. You know, um, we're in a time, too, where we've made it so over complex and crazy. I think as soon as we see how simple things are and get back to that, we're going to be so good. So that's the big part, how I deal. And then we teach simple meditations just to give your brain something to think about that simple, a quick little I am saying. And you breathe deeper in your lungs and into your diaphragm, and it works just center really quickly. So mm-hmm. anything um, that pauses you or gets you quieter. Yes, <laughs> I think that's the case. <laughs> Anything that stops you in your tracks and brings you back down to yourself, that works. Well said. Well said, getting compassion in that heart. And then I'm telling you trick that works. Okay, so this is what I've been doing the past probably month or two. Because I catch a lot of stuff in readings and a lot of stuff. And, and I'm not talking just athletes from across the board. Every person is a person. And there's a lot going on in all of our auras right now. Because like we talked about, we haven't been able to release it for probably centuries, really. Not many decades. So we've got a lot in our DNA. We've got a lot in our psyche. You got a lot of junk in our tongue, but everyone looks how everyone look at it. And so sometimes I say, even if a president, the current president, I say, look at him and think about two things about him, you know, that are trying to be positive. So he could be, you know, degrading toward women, but he's also a father or, you know, that. So I've done that a lot with those who do really unkind things, especially abusing children and whatnot that I catch sometimes. I just say, okay, he's that. He's also a son you know, or someone who even murders. They, they, We just, we love one and done in our culture. They're a murderer. They're bad. They're awful. No, they're human. They're about 5,000 other things. But we are just so 100%, 0% vice versa. And this is sport as well. It's all the same thing. So that helps me break it down, you know, or sometimes I just to say, okay, President Trump is a human. <laughs> just to like <laughs> open the heart and be compassionate, you know, like, okay, he's a brother. Jesus, yes. you know, and I know people get when I'm saying it really tricks the brain to calm down, mm-hmm. you know, and it's two, it's not one and done or us versus other again. It's, it's kind of making it more even again. Did you see the interview with uh, John Oliver and the Dalai Lama a couple of weeks ago? I did not. I've heard it's wonderful. No. Oh my gosh. get to see it. I was like, I was looking does at he it. say this? Yes, exactly. He does. <laughs> Of course like, he does, yeah. You know, he's like, you know, I'm about, I, I practice compassion and love. He's, Don Oliver mm. is like, well, they, they call you the devil. And he goes, he, he and he laughed about it. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm like, the devil. So <laughs> you know? Exactly. But it's, it's like, how can you practice, you know, compassion and love? And I mean, you see people and they're saying things last year Mm -hmm. and this year they're saying Mm -hmm. another thing. And it's like, well, maybe they just can't see it right now. Maybe what what can we do without judgment to know our fellow human being? Maybe ask, you know, I love that. (laughs) Got to know ourselves. Right. To know ourselves because we're all projecting. So I often say turn they into I. It's hard at first. You can say they into we and then turn we into I because there really isn't a they when you think about it. That makes everyone's mind boggle because, you know, it. so my point, I'm not saying we're like Trump. I'm not saying we're the same. Just saying if you don't take the I like I am or I can change what you can shift in you. And I had to start laughing. I had people in my family and 
not really friends. I mean, now, even so, as you're talking about, I've found a little more of my voice. So some friends are like, wow, look at you go. And those who know me are over the moon. Those who, like, were looking for something to be mad at me about, they've found it. Like, look at Joe, What is she doing? <laughs> but I just laugh. They're calling me like the devil in the way. I mean, I guarantee yeah. you we have a few friends, you know, that are so religious. They're calling me the devil because of having this yeah. gift, which was, I'm telling you, given to me by God and yes. my Italian Catholic grandmother. So it's all in religion. Oh, but yeah. I even went to the priest in our town and asked him directly six or seven years ago. I'm like, I have this. I didn't like it at the time, this intuitiveness. And he said, his mother had it. It's very big in, you know, Christianity. I'm like, I agree. But, you know, you get people judging out of fear. And that's here we are once again with what we're talking about, you know, that, oh, the day and the Dalai Lama. But you got to laugh. That's where you get out of the ego. So the left brain, the competitor would punch someone or Mm -hmm. say, I'll take you down or, oh, I'll use that as fire to get you. That's what I was talking about earlier about calling the other person the enemy. It's the Mm -hmm. same thing. So people say, oh, I don't like Trump. I don't like someone calling someone the devil. But so many humans do it every single day. So I've learned for me to knock it off where I'm doing it because I, I well, and I'm working on it. It's, it's, I'm 43. I think I learned this at 42. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm still working on it. But throughout my life, if I'm busy or too tired or just worn, then all I, I could start to see that I was starting to get too defensive. I'm not mm-hmm. offensive, but I would get, you know, after a while I'd be too passive and I'd be like, ah, oh, getting frustrated. And that was me. That was on me. You know, so I couldn't, I learned, don't let people in to hurt. And I was used to having hurt come at me. So it's like, I let a little bit come in to almost keep a little bit of the victimhood open mm-hmm. to me. So even before the book came out um, last summer, I went and got my tush kicked by a guy who does um, programming. He calls it TMD, Transformational Mind Dynamics. To go back to my roots, my first energy center, because that's where mine was weak. I was stronger in the upper ones obviously because that's where intuition really is the psychic part but I didn't want to go back to my roots so for everyone out there it's hard to go back to the closet and clean it out but it's worth it that's how you get up on and shine and whatever you're made to shine in but you do it with love and fun not so like do or die hi I got an A or I made it to the finish line and then you crumble or your family crumbles or you get divorced the next day or your kids won't talk to you you know so that's what we're talking about talking about more wholeness and not it being at such a high cost. And a lot of athletes say to me, but it's my dream. I'm doing it for my family. I'm like, your kids want your eyes. They don't need a bigger house. College will work out. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a tough verb. This is where people are like, oh, we got some nice jokes. Right. And I do a lot of love for you all in the mind. You know, I saw, you know, it's just the Anyway. That's where that stands. And if you can turn it into I and we, you'll feel more empowered to make shift. Yeah. Do you find yeah. that, uh, uh, do you find that people are shifting towards more of an action based? Because yes. I, I believe like our inaction put us in this state right now <laughs> where mm. we are. Really sad. I agree. Well, it showed, it showed in readings that we're in the information age, so about 2009, 2010, and that gig is over. We're now in the action phase. I love that you say action because it comes in a lot. Because I don't think any of these words are really mine. I mean, I, you know, people used to give me credit. I'm like, I don't think any of this is me. I think I'm channeling it or it's coming from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, reaction instead of anything we make it action and no more knowledge, no more look on the internet, just act. Go yeah. find the right sources for it. I'm not saying act alone and don't talk to a doctor. I mean, go to the right doctor instead of 
you know, being on Google MD at three in the morning, because that's fear. You've got to have a little more faith. You can't have fear and faith at the same time, or you can't fully be in faith and calm, I'll say. You've got fear going. you got to lay the fear gamut down, and that's what we've been in. That's the auction. Action's empowering. It's being in your third energy center. It's transformational. It helps your gut. It helps your health. It helps your brain. So I love what you just said. You're spot on. That's the answer right there. Yeah. Yay. Moving into that space. Yay. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Move on with passion. We wish. Move on oh, with yeah. passion. And well, Jill. And, and truth. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. This has been truly yeah. enlightening. And I thank you so much yeah. for your time. How can we get your book, Intuitive Being, and lead us into the new world of mind, body, and soul? Oh, thank you, love. Well, if you're here in LA, you can get it at some great, you know, little bookstores all over the city. Um, support local if you can. New York and a few big cities as well. But otherwise, Barnes & Noble, Amazon has it on a great sale. I thank you so much. And get to it. Keep going. It's hard. Chapter three is where we're stuck, that second energy center. So keep pushing through. It gets easier. Okay. And more information, you can log on to yeah. jillwillard.com. Jillwillard.com. Again, thank you so much. I'm Lafern Cusack here for ESPN LA. For more information, log on to ESPNLA.com and download podcast. And I will see you next week here on The Experience. ESPN LA 710.